just reminding you. We have t-shirts in the shop. Just go to pgttcm.com. Check out all of our cool t-shirts and stickers. Heck, we even got some shelf curtains in there. Keep clean. Look cool. Have cool stickers to put on stuff. Join us on Patreon and get a free sticker. Or don't. It's up to you. spine-tingling, nerve-shattering podcast featuring all your favorite monsters. You won't believe your ears when you listen to Monster Kid Radio. Hear your host, Derek M. Cook, and his ever-rotating stable of guests discuss your favorite classics and sometimes not-so-classic monster movies. Subscribe to Monster Kid Radio through iTunes or Stitcher, or visit monsterkidradio.net before the next weekly episode of Monster Kid Radio. Go through the archives for interviews with Sarah Karloff, Victoria Price, and Joel Hodson. Listen to discussions about movies like Creature from the Black Lagoon, Island of Terror, and King Kong. And don't forget convention coverage from Monster Bash and the HP Lovecraft Film Festival. Classic Monsters, Modern Talk, and the head of Rondo Hatton, only on Monster Kid Radio. This episode is brought to you by California Tea House. California Tea House is a family-owned tea store where you can find some of the world's best loose-leaf tea and organic herbal tea blends. Like a fine wine, there is no comparison between fine loose-leaf and common broken-leaf tea bags. So, yeah, no, check them out. Check them out. They have quite a bit of pretty awesome tea collections. I'm a huge fan of their white teas. Uh, They have a tea club that you can join, but, you know, they've got green tea, black tea, white tea, oolong, that uh, robios and herbal tea. They've also got teaware. So check out California Tea House in the show notes. Hey everyone, it's me, DB. New sponsor on the show, Clary. Clary offers a great price and better quality goods and services for music lovers. Are you looking for good prices, free shipping, 100% quality guarantee? Clary's got you covered. Guitars, bass guitars, mandolins, they've got saxophones, trumpets, drums, they've got guitar cases, amplifiers, all the stuff that you need without having to break the bank. Inexpensive doesn't have to mean cheap. Check out the show notes to find more about Glary. 20 watt amplifiers for under $50. Hard cases for your electric guitar for under 80. Guitars themselves for under $90. Come on folks, check out the show notes. Get a Glary. You're listening to KZOM, Oleander Public Radio. Once again, we walk down the lightless stone staircase in the middle of nowhere. You're listening to KZOM. Hey everyone, welcome back to 
People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. It's one of our reading episodes, and this episode we will be going through, let's see, it's the Renkitink, Rintinkatink, oh, you know, our reader does it way better than I do, Rintinkatink in Oz. So yeah, this is, what, the 7th, 8th, 12th book in the Oz series? It's getting in there, we're getting in there, yeah. And I'm going to chop this up into 12 parts, so there's going to be two two chapters each, each, each episode. So, hey, we've got that for the month of October, and maybe I'll throw in some ghost stories at the end of the month. Don't hold me to any of that, because I'm not 100% sure how October is going to go. And if you are lucky enough, at the very beginning of October, H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival, and there is also going to be a second H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival that's going to be less in person and more of a streaming thing. Check us out on there. Dave's got some stuff going on on that. I'm going to have some stuff going on on that. And also, I'd like to welcome our newest sponsor, Taza Chocolate, Stone Ground Chocolate. And you know what? This is super minimally processed. If you're like me and you have a bunch of food allergies, you can't do dairy, they have dairy-free chocolates. They, they, they use dairy alternatives, uh, minimally processed, of course, organic. I love them. You love them. Taza Chocolates, they, they come in those discs that you can break up and put into hot beverages and stir up. Ooh, I love it so much. Anyway, Oz. So why not, I don't know, sit down with a nice warm beverage. We've got the tea that you can get. We've got the coffee you can get. I don't know, maybe microwave some psychedelic water, baby. All right, here's some Oz. Let's get weird. Chapter 13. Zella Saves the Prince The wicked queen of Corrigos was in a very bad humor this morning, for one of her slave drivers had come from the fields to say that a number of slaves had rebelled and would not work. "'Bring them here to me!' she cried savagely. "'A good whipping may make them change their minds.' So the slave-driver went to fetch the rebellious ones, and Queen Cor sat down to eat her breakfast, an ugly look on her face. Prince Inga had been ordered to stand behind his new mistress with a big fan of peacock's feathers, but he was so unused to such service that he awkwardly brushed her ear with the fan. At once she flew into a terrible rage and slapped the prince twice with her hand blows that tingled, too, for her hand was big and hard, and she was not inclined to be gentle. Inga took the blows without shrinking or uttering a cry, although they stung his pride far more than his body. But King Rinkitink, who was acting as the queen's butler, and had just brought in her coffee, was so startled at seeing the young prince punished that he tipped over the urn, and the hot coffee streamed across the lap of the queen's best morning gown. Cor sprang from her seat with a scream of anger, and poor Rinky-Tink would doubtless have been given a terrible beating, had not the slave-driver returned at that moment and attracted the woman's attention. The overseer had brought with him all of the women's slaves from Pingaree, who had been loaded down with chains, and were so weak and ill they could scarcely walk, much less work in the fields. Prince Inga's eyes were dimmed with sorrowful tears, 
when he discovered how his poor people had been abused. But his own plight was so helpless that he was unable to aid them. Fortunately, the boy's mother, Queen Garee, was not among the slaves, for Queen Kor had placed her in the royal dairy to make butter. "'Why do you refuse to work?' demanded Kor in a harsh voice, as the slaves from Pingaree stood before her, trembling with downcast eyes. "'Because we lack strength to perform the tasks your overseers demand,' answered one of the women. "'Then you shall be whipped until your strength returns,' exclaimed the queen. And turning to Inga, she commanded, "'Get me the whip with the seven lashes.' As the boy left the room, wondering how he might manage to save the unhappy women from their undeserved punishment, he met a girl entering by the back way, who asked, "'Can you tell me where to find Her Majesty Queen Cor?' "'She is in the chamber with the red dome, where green dragons are painted upon the walls,' replied Inga. "'But she is in an angry and ungracious mood today. Why do you wish to see her?' "'I have honey to sell,' answered the girl, who was Zella, just come from the forest. "'The queen is very fond of my honey.' "'You may go to her, if you so desire,' said the boy. "'But take care not to anger the cruel queen, or she may do you a mischief.' "'Why should she harm me? Who brings her the honey she so dearly loves?' inquired the child innocently. "'But I thank you for your warning, and I will try not to anger the queen.' As Zella started to go, Inga's eyes suddenly fell upon her shoes, and instantly he recognized them as his own, for only in Pingaree were shoes shaped in this manner, high at the heel and pointed at the toes. "'Stop!' he cried in an excited voice, and the girl obeyed wonderingly. "'Tell me!' he continued more gently. "'Where did you get those shoes?' "'My father brought them from Regos,' she answered. "'From Regos?' "'Yes. Are they not pretty?' asked Zella, looking down at her feet to admire them. "'One of them my father found by the palace wall, and the other on an ash heap. So he brought them to me, and they fit me perfectly.' By this time Inga was trembling with eager joy, which, of course, the girl could not understand. "'What is your name, little maid?' he asked. "'I am called Zella, and my father is Nicobob, the charcoal-burner.' "'Zella is a pretty name. I am Inga, Prince of Pingaree,' said he. "'And the shoes you are now wearing, Zella, belong to me.' They were not cast away, as your father supposed, but were lost. Will you let me have them again? Zella's eyes filled with tears. Must I give up my pretty shoes, then? she asked. They are the only ones I have ever owned. Inga was sorry for the poor girl, but he knew how important it was that he regain possession of the magic pearls. So he said pleadingly, Please let me have them, Zella. See, I will exchange for them the shoes I now have on, which are newer and prettier than the others. The girl hesitated. She wanted to please the boy prince, yet she hated to exchange the shoes which her father had brought her as a present. If you will give me the shoes, 
continued the boy anxiously, I will promise to make you and your father and mother rich and prosperous. Indeed, I will promise to grant any favors you may ask of me. And he sat down upon the floor and drew off the shoes he was wearing and held them toward the girl. I'll see if they will fit me, said Zella, taking off her left shoe, the one that contained the pink pearl, and beginning to put on one of Inga's. Just then Queen Cor, angry at being made to wait for her whip with the seven lashes, rushed into the room to find Inga. Seeing the boy sitting upon the floor beside Zella, the woman sprang toward him to beat him with her clenched fists. But Inga had now slipped on the shoe, and the queen's blows could not reach his body. Then Kor espied the whip lying beside Inga, and snatching it up, she tried to lash him with it, all to no avail. While Zella sat horrified by this scene, the prince, who realized he had no time to waste, reached out and pulled the right shoe from the girl's foot, quickly placing it upon his own. Then he stood up and, facing the furious but astonished queen, said to her in a quiet voice, "'Madam, please give me that whip.' "'I won't,' answered Carr. "'I'm going to lash those pingery women with it.' The boy seized hold of the whip, and with irresistible strength drew it from the queen's hand. But she drew from her bosom a sharp dagger, and with the swiftness of lightning aimed a blow at Inga's heart. He merely stood still and smiled, for the blade rebounded and fell clattering to the floor. Then, at last, Queen Cor understood the magic power that had terrified her husband, but which she had ridiculed in her ignorance, not believing in it. She did not know that Inga's power had been lost and found again, but she realized the boy was no common foe, and that unless she could still manage to outwit him, her reign in the island of Korygos was ended. To gain time she went back to the red-domed chamber, and seated herself in her throne, before which were grouped the weeping slaves from Pingaree. Inga had taken Zella's hand, and assisted her to put on the shoes he had given her in exchange for his own. She found them quite comfortable, and did not know she had lost anything by the transfer. "'Come with me,' then said the boy-prince, and led her into the presence of Queen Cor, who was giving Rinky-Tink a scolding. To the overseer, Inga said, "'Give me the keys which unlock these chains, that I may set these poor women at liberty.' "'Don't do it!' screamed Queen Cor. "'If you interfere, madam,' said the boy, "'I will put you into a dungeon.' By this Rinky-Tink knew that Inga had recovered his magic pearls, and the little fat king was so overjoyed that he danced and capered all around the room. But the queen was alarmed at the threat, and the slave-driver, fearing the conqueror of Regos, tremblingly gave up the keys. Inga quickly removed all the shackles from the women of his country, and comforted them, telling them they should work no more, but should soon be restored to their homes in Pingaree. 
Then he commanded the slave-driver to go and get all the children who had been made slaves, and to bring them to their mothers. The man obeyed and left at once to perform his errand, while Queen Cor, growing more and more uneasy, suddenly sprang from her throne, and before Inga could stop her, had rushed through the room and out into the courtyard of the palace, meaning to make her escape. Rinkitink followed her, running as fast as he could go. It was at this moment that Bilbil, in his mad dash from Regos, turned in at the gates of the courtyard, and as he was coming one way and Queen Cor was going the other, they bumped into each other with great force. The woman sailed through the air over Bilbil's head and landed on the ground outside the gates where her crown rolled into a ditch, and she picked herself up, half-dazed, and continued her flight. Bilbil was also somewhat dazed by the unexpected encounter, but he continued his rush rather blindly, and so struck poor Rinkitink, who was chasing after Queen Cor. They rolled over one another a few times, and then Rinkitink sat up, and Bilbil sat up, and they looked at each other in amazement. Bilbil, said the king, I'm astonished at you. Your Majesty, said Bilbil, I expected kinder treatment at your hands. You interrupted me, said Rinkitink. There was plenty of room without your taking my path, declared the goat. And then Inga came running out and said, Where's the queen? Gone, replied Rinkitink, but she cannot go far, as this is an island. However, I have found Bilbil, and our party is again reunited. You have recovered your magic powers, and again we are masters of the situation. So let us be thankful. Saying this, the good little king got upon his feet, and limped back into the throne room to help comfort the women. Presently the children of Pingaree, who had been gathered together by the overseer, were brought in and restored to their mothers, and there was great rejoicing among them, you may be sure. "'But where is Queen Garee, my dear mother?' questioned Inga. But the women did not know, and it was some time before the overseer remembered that one of the slaves from Pingaree had been placed in the royal dairy. Perhaps this was the woman the boy was seeking.' Inga at once commanded him to lead the way to the butter-house. But when they arrived there, Queen Garee was nowhere in the place, although the boy found a silk scarf which he recognized as the one his mother used to wear. Then they began a search throughout the island of Corrigos, but could not find Inga's mother anywhere. When they returned to the palace of Queen Cor, Rinkitink discovered that the bridge of boats— had again been removed, separating them from Regos, and from this they suspected that Queen Cor had fled to her husband's island and had taken Queen Garee with her. Inga was much perplexed what to do, and returned with his friends to the palace to talk the matter over. Sella was now crying because she had not sold her honey, and was unable to return to her parents on the island of Regos. But the boy prince comforted her, and promised she should be protected until she could be restored to her home. 
Rinkitink found Queen Cor's purse, which she had had no time to take with her, and gave Zella several gold pieces for the honey. Then Inga ordered the palace servants to prepare a feast for all the women and children of Pingaree, and to prepare for them beds in the great palace, which was large enough to accommodate them all. Then the boy and the goat and Rinkitink and Zella went into a private room to consider what should be done next. End of chapter 13 Hi, I'm Rob Poynton from the Innsmouth Book Club. Join me and my fellow guide, John Chadwick, as we take you on a fortnightly tour of Innsmouth. We visit places such as the Picture House, the Library and Innsmouth Museum to discuss all aspects of weird fiction, whether it be book, film, music, TV or art. As well as that, we stop over at the Gilman House to have a chat with a resident guest. That includes authors, artists, musicians, in fact, Lovecraftian creatives of all types. You can find our free shows on Patreon, and there you can also sign up as a patron, which brings you bonus content, plus a monthly PDF copy of Innsmouth News, which features articles, author spotlights, all the latest news and reviews, and more. You can find us at patreon.com forward slash InnsmouthBC. We hope to see you soon, because remember, Innsmouth isn't just a place, it's a state of mind. This month's bandwidth is brought to you by Psychedelic Water. Legal psychedelics suspended in green tea and then put inside of a can for you. Psychedelic water. Who needs a Tillinghast resonator when you've got psychedelic water? Are you a curvy girl? Do you know a curvy girl? You love a curvy girl. Check out the show links for curvy girl. Plus size clothing for plus size women. Oh, Larry. Fine, fine student instruments, beginner's instruments. If you want to modify a guitar, check out Glary. If you want to get into guitars, if you love guitars, Things from another world. It's a store that has art. It has toys. It has comics, graphic novels. It is the place if you like that kind of stuff. Dave and I have talked about it in the show before. They were ever a sponsor. Dave likes to check out their stuff. I like to check out their stuff. They're pretty cool. Toys, art, graphic design. Not graphic design, graphic novels. For you, things from another world. Check out the show notes. Uh, check out the links on, on our website, PGPTCM. We've got specific stuff there to let you know what they've got going on for specials. Anyway, thank you again so much. Did you know that there is a THC derivative that's legal called Delta 8? Not to be confused with the Delta variant, but Delta 8. Yeah. Uh, you can get it in chewable form, and it's sold at. Uh, what's what's Golden Goat CBD, one of our sponsors? Yeah, you can get some Delta 8, and you can also pick up some CBD chewables gummies. They've got smokables for the Delta 8, and they've got all kinds of stuff for CBD. 
and they can help you out. Uh, check the show notes, Golden Goat. And while you're in the show notes, hey, do you know about Donner? Donner has so many amazing musical instruments from all kinds, mandolins, banjos. They've got drums. They've got amplifiers. They've got guitars. They've got all kinds of stuff, and they ship worldwide. Check out Donner. I think you're going to like it, and I think Donner's going to have a good deal for you. So I, I love their electric guitars. A lot of the music that I perform for the show is either on one brand or it's on a Donner. So check out Donner and check out some savings. All right. Thank you once again for listening to People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. You can help show your support by going to the show notes and following any of the links that'll tell you how to support the show and how to support our guests. And thank you to all of our guests who you can find in the show notes. Rate, review, subscribe. And remember, patrons get priority access to asking us questions, suggesting topics, even, I don't know, uh, submitting stuff. Actually, you don't have to be a patron to submit anything. That's how Dave got on the show, and that's how you can get on the show, too. It's the people's guide to the Cthulhu mythos. Rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends. Chapter 14 The Escape Our fault, said Rinkitink, is that we conquer only one of these twin islands at a time. When we conquered Regos, our foes all came to Korygos, and now that we have conquered Korygos, the queen has fled to Regos. And each time they remove the bridge of boats so that we cannot follow them. "'What has become of our own boat in which we came from Pingaree?' asked Bilbil. "'We left it on the shore of Regos,' replied the prince. "'But I wonder if we could not get it again.' "'Why don't you ask the White Pearl?' suggested Rinkitink. "'That is a good idea,' returned the boy. And at once he drew the White Pearl from its silken bag and held it to his ear. Then he asked, how may I regain our boat? The voice of the pearl replied, Go to the south end of the island of Corrigos, and clap your hands three times, and the boat will come to you. Very good, cried Inga, and then he turned to his companions and said, We shall be able to get our boat whenever we please, but what then shall we do? Take me home in it, pleaded Zella. "'Come with me to my city of Gilgad,' said the king, "'where you will be very welcome to remain forever.' "'No,' answered Inga. "'I must rescue my father and mother, as well as my people. "'Already I have the women and children of Pingaree, "'but the men are with my father in the mines of Regos, "'and my dear mother has been taken away by Queen Kor.' Not until all are rescued will I consent to leave these islands. Quite right, exclaimed Bilbil. On second thought, said Rinkitink, I agree with you. If you are careful to sleep in your shoes and never take them off again, I believe you will be able to perform the task you have undertaken. They counseled together for a long time as to their mode of action, and it was finally considered best to make the attempt to liberate King Kittycut first of all, and with him the men from Pingaree. 
This would give them an army to assist them, and afterward they could march to Regos and compel Queen Kor to give up the Queen of Pingaree. Zella told them that they could go in their boat along the shore of Regos to a point opposite the mines, thus avoiding any conflict with the warriors of King Goss. This being considered the best course to pursue, they resolved to start on the following morning, as night was even now approaching. The servants being all busy in caring for the women and children, Zella undertook to get a dinner for Inga and Rikitink and herself, and soon prepared a fine meal in the palace kitchen, for she was a good little cook, and had often helped her mother. The dinner was served in a small room overlooking the gardens, and Rinkitink thought the best part of it was the sweet honey which he spread upon the biscuits that Zella had made. As for Bilbil, he wandered through the palace grounds and found some grass that made him a good dinner. During the evening Inga talked with the women and cheered them, promising soon to reunite them with their husbands who were working in the mines and to send them back to their own island of Pingaree. Next morning the boy rose bright and early and found that Zella had already prepared a nice breakfast. And after the meal they went to the most southern point of the island, which was not very far away. Rinkitink riding upon Bilbil's back, and Inga and Zella following behind them hand in hand. When they reached the water's edge, the boy advanced and clapped his hands together three times, as the White Pearl had told him to do. And in a few moments they saw in the distance the black boat with the silver lining coming swiftly toward them from the sea. Presently it grounded on the beach, and they all got into it. Zella was delighted with the boat, which was the most beautiful she had ever seen, and the marvel of its coming to them through the water without anyone to row it made her a little afraid of the fairy craft. But Inga picked up the oars and began to row, when at once the boat shot swiftly in the direction of Regos. They rounded the point of that island where the city was built, and noticed that the shore was lined with warriors who had discovered their boat, but seemed undecided whether to pursue it or not. This was probably because they had received no commands what to do, or perhaps they had learned to fear the magic powers of these adventurers from Pingaree, and were unwilling to attack them unless their king ordered them to. The coast on the western side of the island of Regos was very uneven, and Zella, who knew fairly well the location of the mines from the inland forest path, was puzzled to decide which mountain they now viewed from the sea was the one where the entrance to the underground caverns was located. First she thought it was this peak, and then she guessed it was that, so considerable time was lost through her uncertainty. They finally decided to land and explore the country, to see where they were, so Inga ran the boat into a little rocky cove where they all disembarked. For an hour they searched for the path without finding any trace of it, and now Zella believed they had gone too far to the north, and must return to another mountain that was nearer to the city. 
Once again they entered the boat and followed the winding coast south until they thought they had reached the right place. By this time, however, it was growing dark, for the entire day had been spent in the search for the entrance to the mines, and Zella warned them that it would be safer to spend the night in the boat than on the land, where wild beasts were sure to disturb them. None of them realized at this time how fatal this day of search had been to their plans, and perhaps if Inga had realized what was going on, he would have landed and fought all the wild beasts in the forest, rather than quietly remain in the boat until morning. However, knowing nothing of the cunning plans of Queen Kor and King Goss, they anchored their boat in a little bay, and cheerfully ate their dinner, finding plenty of food and drink in the boat's lockers. In the evening the stars came out in the sky and tipped the waves around the boat with silver. All around them was delightfully still, save for the occasional snarl of a beast on the neighboring shore. They talked together quietly of their adventures and their future plans, and Zella told them her simple history and how hard her poor father was obliged to work, burning charcoal to sell for enough money to support his wife and child. Nicobob might be the humblest man in all Regos, but Zella declared he was a good man and honest, and it was not his fault that his country was ruled by so wicked a king. Then Rinkitink, to amuse them, offered to sing a song, and although Bilbil protested in his gruff way, claiming that his master's voice was cracked and disagreeable, the little king was encouraged by the others to sing his song, which he did. A red-headed man named Ned was dead. Sing fiddle-cum-faddle-cum-fi-do. In battle he had lost his head. Sing fiddle-cum-faddle-cum-fi-do. Alas, poor Ned, to him I said, How did you lose your head so red? Sing fiddle-cum-faddle-cum-fi-do. Said Ned, I for my country bled. Sing fiddle-cum-faddle-cum-fido. Instead of dying safe in bed, Sing fiddle-cum-faddle-cum-fido. If I had only fled instead, I then had been a head ahead. Sing fiddle-cum-fiddle-cum-fido. I said to Ned, Do stop, your majesty, pleaded Bilbil. "'You're making my head ache.' "'But the song isn't finished,' replied Rinkitink. "'And as for your head aching, think of poor Ned, who hadn't any head at all.' "'I can think of nothing but your dismal singing,' retorted Bilbil. "'Why didn't you choose a cheerful subject, instead of telling how a man who was dead lost his red head? Really, Rinkitink, I'm surprised at you.' "'I know a splendid song about a live man,' said the king. "'Then don't sing it,' begged Bilbil. Zella was both astonished and grieved by the disrespectful words of the goat, for she had quite enjoyed Rinkitink's singing, and had been taught a proper respect for kings and those in high authority. But as it was now getting late, they decided to go to sleep that they might rise early the following morning. So they all reclined upon the bottom of the big boat, 
and covered themselves with blankets which they found stored underneath the seats for just such occasions. They were not long in falling asleep, and did not waken until daybreak. After a hurried breakfast, for Inga was eager to liberate his father, the boy rowed the boat ashore, and they all landed and began searching for the path. Zella found it within the next half-hour, and declared they must be very close to the entrance to the mines. So they followed the path toward the north, Inga going first, and then Zella following him, while Rinkitink brought up the rear, riding upon Bilbil's back. Before long they saw a great wall of rock towering before them, in which was a low arched entrance, and on either side of this entrance stood a guard armed with a sword and a spear. The guards of the mines were not so fierce as the warriors of King Goss, their duty being to make the slaves work at their tasks and guard them from escaping, but they were as cruel as their cruel master wished them to be and as cowardly as they were cruel. Inga walked up to the two men at the entrance and said, "'Does this opening lead to the mines of King Goss?' "'It does,' replied one of the guards. "'But no one is allowed to pass out who once goes in.' "'Nevertheless,' said the boy, "'we intend to go in, and we shall come out whenever it pleases us to do so. "'I am the Prince of Pingaree,' and I have come to liberate my people, whom King Goss has enslaved. Now, when the two guards heard this speech, they looked at one another and laughed, and one of them said, The king was right, for he said the boy was likely to come here, and that he would try to set his people free. Also the king commanded that we must keep the little prince in the mines, and set him to work, together with his companions. "'Then let us obey the king,' replied the other man. Inga was surprised at hearing this, and asked, "'When did King Goss give you this order?' "'His majesty was here in person last night,' replied the man, "'and went away again but an hour ago. "'He suspected you were coming here, and told us to capture you if we could.' This report made the boy very anxious, not for himself, but for his father, for he feared the king was up to some mischief. So he hastened to enter the mines, and the guards did nothing to oppose him or his companions, their orders being to allow him to go in, but not to come out. The little group of adventurers passed through a long, rocky corridor, and reached a low, wide cavern, where they found a dozen guards and a hundred slaves, the latter being hard at work with picks and shovels, digging for gold, while the guards stood over them with long whips. Inga found many of the men from Pingaree among these slaves, but King Kittycut was not in this cavern, so they passed through it and entered another corridor that led to a second cavern. Here also hundreds of men were working, but the boy did not find his father amongst them, and so went on to a third cavern. The corridors all slanted downward, so that the farther they went the lower into the earth they descended, and now they found the air hot and close and difficult to breathe. Flaming torches were stuck into the walls to give light to the workers, and these added to the oppressive heat. 
The third and lowest cavern was the last in the mines, and here were many scores of slaves and many guards to keep them at work. So far none of the guards had paid any attention to Inga's party, but allowed them to proceed as they would, and while the slaves cast curious glances at the boy and girl and man and goat, they dared say nothing. But now the boy walked up to some of the men of Pingaree, and asked news of his father, telling them not to fear the guards as he would protect them from the whips. Then he learned that King Kitticut had indeed been working in this very cavern until the evening before, when King Goss had come and taken him away, still loaded with chains. "'Seems to me,' said King Rinkitink, when he heard this report, "'that Goss has carried your father away to Regos to prevent us from rescuing him. He may hide poor Kitticut in a dungeon where we cannot find him.' "'Perhaps you are right,' answered the boy. "'But I am determined to find him, wherever he may be.' Inga spoke firmly and with courage, but he was greatly disappointed to find that King Goss had been before him at the mines and had taken his father away. However, he tried not to feel disheartened, believing he would succeed in the end in spite of all opposition. Turning to the guards, he said, Remove the chains from these slaves and set them free. The guards laughed at this order, and one of them brought forward a handful of chains, saying, His Majesty has commanded us to make you also a slave, for you are never to leave these caverns again. Then he attempted to place the chains on Inga, but the boy indignantly seized them and broke them apart as easily as if they had been cotton cords. When a dozen or more of the guards made a dash to capture him, the prince swung the end of a chain like a whip and drove them into a corner where they cowered and begged for mercy. Stories of the marvelous strength of the boy prince had already spread to the mines of Regos, and although King Goss had told them that Inga had been deprived of all his magic power, the guards now saw this was not true, so they deemed it wise not to attempt to oppose him. The chains of the slaves had all been riveted fast to their ankles and wrists, but Inga broke the bonds of steel with his hands and set the poor men free, not only those from Pingaree, but all who had been captured in the many wars and raids of King Goss. They were very grateful, as you may suppose, and agreed to support Prince Inga in whatever action he commanded. He led them to the middle cavern, where all the guards and overseers fled in terror at his approach, and soon he had broken apart the chains of the slaves who had been working in that part of the mines. Then they approached the first cavern and liberated all there. The slaves had been treated so cruelly by the servants of King Goss that they were eager to pursue and slay them in revenge, but Inga held them back and formed them into companies, each company having its own leader. Then he called the leaders together and instructed them to march in good order along the path to the city of Regos, where he would meet them and tell them what to do next. They readily agreed to obey him, and arming themselves with iron bars and pickaxes which they brought from the mines, 
the slaves began their march to the city. Zella at first wished to be left behind, that she might make her way to her home, but neither Rinkitink nor Inga thought it was safe for her to wander alone through the forest, so they induced her to return with them to the city. The boy beached his boat this time, at the same place as when he first landed at Regos, and while many of the warriors stood on the shore and before the walls of the city, not one of them attempted to interfere with the boy in any way. Indeed, they seemed uneasy and anxious, and when Inga met Captain Buzzub, the boy asked if anything had happened in his absence. "'A great deal has happened,' replied Buzzub. "'Our king and queen have run away and left us, and we don't know what to do.' "'Run away?' exclaimed Inga. "'Where did they go to?' "'Who knows?' said the man, shaking his head despondently. "'They departed together a few hours ago, in a boat with forty rowers, and they took with them the king and queen of Pingaree.' End of chapter 14. Show notes. Check them out. That's where you're going to find sponsors and guests and T-shirts and stickers and high fives. All right. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you later. Hey, everyone. Thanks again for listening to the show. Music is by me, D.B. Spitzer, edited and produced by me, D.B. Spitzer. The interview portions are always edited and produced by David Heath. And, hey, you can find us wherever you find podcasts, so check out pgttcm.com. And if you don't want to check out the Patreon, if you don't want to do that and you want to help out the show, just go to sponsors or buy T-shirts or anything like that. Anything helps. Thank you again.